Hi, and welcome to Redefining Outbound, a podcast series for sales leaders. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen Vickers, Director of U.S. Sales Development at Cognizant. I'll be interviewing a range of forward-thinking sales leaders on how and why B2B buying behavior has changed, and we'll be unpacking why these trends are important for outbound. Hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Outbound. We are are lucky enough to have part one uh, with Bill Peterson. We're diving into an SDR training uh, episode. So first of all, welcome, Bill. Uh, really happy to uh, to have you here. Uh, I guess to kick off, could you just introduce yourself uh, for the listeners? Sure. Bill Peterson, um, sales trainer and coach here at Cognizm. And I've been in sales training enablement since 1993. Wow. Dinosaur. Dinosaur. Still evolving uh, better than the dinosaurs did, I guess. So I love to see it. Uh, It's something we ask all of our our guests here, Bill. What does redefining outbound mean to you? And kind of how are you thinking about this from a training standpoint? Sure. And I think it's a great statement, right? And I think... It, it pertains to all sales, right? No matter what we do, even something comes inbound, we got to call them, go outbound. And I think it's really understanding conversation uh, and conversations that we have and understanding humans, the people that we're going to be talking to on the other side. I mean, that can be real technical thinking of, you know, when we think of our ideal client profile, uh, think of personas, but also understanding the psychology behind the people on the other side and what really makes them tick. Um, I think it's important. I always say he or she who gets the most amount of information wins. Why? Because anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of sales. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, you know, if we, I, I joke about a dinosaur. I'm right there with you. We've worked together for, for a while now, going back to, uh, to 2011. Um, yeah. One of the things that's helped you be so successful in, you know, an onboarding and enablement role is that you've evolved, you know, with the time. Things have changed a lot, you know, over the past 12, 13, 14 years. How do you think training and onboarding has evolved over that time, you know, and what you've seen in your tenure? Sure. And I, I still think the core is what we just said about redefining outbound. It's, a, it's understanding the people on the other side. And I think that's key and foremost, and that helps you guide your your evolution. I mean, over the years, we've added plenty of tools. You know, we have, you know, call intelligence tools. We have sequencing tools. We have which didn't exist, kind of, you know, no. 12, 15 years ago. So it's it's completely changed. So you know, from your perspective, mm-hmm. you had to evolve with that, which has been which has been amazing. Uh, you know, to continue to. Um, you know, redefine who you are in, in this field. So it, it's been it's been fun to see. Yeah, and I always look at it. Uh, I, I don't ever want to grow up um, and I don't want the times to, to pass me by. I love technology um, and all the things that it brings us. And, you know, I want to stay stay current. Um, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Right. And but I think that's essential to staying current and, and understanding you know, tools definitely are one thing, um, but with those tools came data. And I think that's where probably the biggest evolution came from. Now you have ways to see talk time and, you know, all those types of things that can help you be smart, 
but you still have to relate those to the people that you're working with, really finding out what makes them tick. And I think that leads to, you know, the methods. Methods have to change. You know, um, video is such a big part of our life now, right? And having that blended learning model where, you know, you may have some uh, level of video and ways to kind of get introduced to it. But then, you know, that dictates what you're going to do in a live workshop, right? Where now you can put the rubber to the road, start to practice and take advantage of that. So in some ways, you know, I always look at what are the positives of this? Well, if I can get the rote learning stuff, the checkbox stuff, the things you can have knowledge on and and have a quiz, great. That's what the video learning paths, those types of things are for. But then that opens up more time in the workshops to be able to practice, right? Share best practices and and get other folks involved. And I, I think that, you know, leveraging these new tools, even the data can help inform you of the types of things you want to do. Sure. So what do you think is the biggest challenge, you know, from a training and and enablement view that faces sales leaders and their teams in 2024? I think it's measuring the value, right? Because sometimes it's not just straight up numbers, you know, whether, you know, some folks may be at different points on the team. Sometimes a win isn't always measurable, like in a coaching session where, you know, there's an aha moment, you kind of crack the code on, on helping someone feel more comfortable in their role and doing their job. And that doesn't always translate right away to the data and the numbers behind it. So I think that's probably the hardest thing is to be able to, if I'm showing you as a director, you know, how are we making that difference? And a lot of times it's not always recognizable in the numbers or talk time or, you know, lead to response time and and things like that. So I definitely see that as probably the toughest part of the job to be able to translate the value to someone like you in the sales leadership role. I, I understand what you're saying, but it's also fun for me, you know, to sit in on one of your trainings with my team and seeing their evolution, you know, as they continue to develop. I, I know we did a training uh, earlier this month and <laughs> just even coming out of it right away and hearing them apply, um, you know, the new knowledge that, that they've just grasped and then they're putting it out there. You know, yes, I agree that it's, sometimes doesn't necessarily translate on paper. I guess eventually it does when you see the, the numbers improve, but um, mm-hmm. it's fun to see, you know, your reps continue to develop and, and, and take, you know, what somebody like yourself is teaching them and apply it in real life so they can continue to grow and, and develop as, as salespeople. That's, that's the fun thing uh, for me, but I, I completely understand what you're saying. Um, you know, in, in terms of, of translating that to, uh, you know, on paper and, and things like that. So, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, from from an SDR perspective, you know, what are some of the core benefits that you've noticed or, you know, seen from having an in-house sales trainer? I think it's someone to go to that, you know, A, we have the classes like you had just mentioned, so we can impart that knowledge. But I think the it's a place to practice, right? A safe space to, to practice, to be able to, you know, fall on your face and not in front of a customer, right? But also to succeed, 
right? To hit that point where you're able to do a particular skill uh, really, really well. And I think it just affords more practice time in a safe space um, to to really put that into motion, right? Because the at-bats are hard to come by, right? And, and doing it with the, the, the model of an at-bat, but throw some monkey wrenches in there, make it as real as we can. Um, muscle memory is really the most important part of, of learning, right? Doing something over and over again, whether it's in sports, dance, you know, business, they all work the same way. You know, we go from not knowing something to knowing about something. Then we have conscious effort to do it. And you will never get to the unconscious use of something without that muscle memory and practice, just like shooting a basketball, right? You're going to shoot a three pointer over and over again till you get, you know, here's where, how I want to hold my hand, how I want my fingers to be, you know, in relation to the ball, you know, much like same in bowling as well, right? It's one of those things. It's, it's you're trying to get to a repeatable event for what you're trying to do. And I think it's putting people in realistic scenarios and practicing, practicing those. So when it happens in real life, that unconscious muscle memory takes over. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, you know, as I've worked at companies that have had in-house trainers and others where we uh, you know, had somebody from from the outside come in and maybe it's just my SDR background and, you know, looking at my team like they're, you know, almost like my kids. I love seeing their growth and development in, in their time here. But, you know, I, I've noticed that when you have an in-house trainer, you're just more invested in, in them and their development and their personal growth. I mean, I see you meeting with my team in, in one-on-one sessions, and I think that's such a valuable um it's just such a valuable asset to have, you know, especially for an SDR organization. They're very raw when they start. And, you know, I always like to say they're like a big ball of clay. And mm-hmm. as a leader or as a sales enablement leader like yourself, we could either do something great with them and create a masterpiece or, you know, we could create the next, you know, paperweight for Father's Day. But it's on us to to ensure that we're giving them the right tools to to do that. And it's fun to, to see their growth um, from a director perspective. Selfishly, I love having somebody like you uh, on our team. You know, it's it's always the the tough position of would you rather add you know an extra SDR head or two, or would you rather add a sales enablement leader? And I think ten times out of ten, I'd say we're going to get more out of an extra sales development, uh, excuse me, a sales enablement leader uh, like yourself because you're going to help that entire organization um, get to that next level. And the benefits that come from that selfishly as, as a director are, you know, immeasurable because you're, you're helping them not only in develop their, their career uh, to become better salespeople, but just better people in general and more confident in how they go about uh, and how they go about their business and their, their day-to-day work. So that's, that's where I love it from, from my level. So obviously I, I appreciate everything that, you know, you and, and the rest of the sales develop, uh, sales enablement team uh, do here for sure. No, thank you. Thank you. It's a great partnership. You know, you're a, it's a two way street. You share, you know, good information. You know, when we speak of that data, you're part of that data, right? Where is someone at? Where are their strengths? Where are their weaknesses? Um, Because I do believe anyone who has that mentality like you have of, oh, I, you know, having a sales train or having enablement as being important, 
you know, I think of even in the past job searches or, you know, thinking when I see someone looking for a sales enablement person, especially their first one, that tells me they're thinking smart, right? They're thinking in a different way. They understand the the need to develop people, right? The need to impart the knowledge in someone who can do it in a way that understands instructional design, right? Um, even the coaching pieces, you know, what makes a good coaching session. So I think that's an extremely important part of what we do, but it's that dance back and forth, right? Where you're with them more than I am, hearing that that assessment, right, is really important to be able to know what those needs are. So you do have some level of point of attack when you're you're going into these. Yeah, agreed. Uh, you know, I think many of the sales leaders listening right now are potentially, you know, considering an in-house sales trainer uh, for their organization, but are honestly unsure where to start. It's it's nothing that's necessarily defined on, on how to do. So essentially, if you had to give a step-by-step uh, example, even how, you know, works here at Cognizant, what, what would it look like to you? Yeah, it's a really good question because there's a lot to it. And I think at first, you know, you, you're probably going to start small with one trainer, one person running an enablement team, which I've done multiple places. You know, the first thing you're going to do is assess the needs, right? Where are the most impact going to be that's going to especially impact your revenue? This is a revenue org, right? And you got to think in terms of revenue. So is it my AEs? Is it my SDR? Is it a blended version of that? Where do the AMs, CS org, you know, where do they fit in the, you know, sort of the timeline of of how you want to, you know, impart the knowledge and also scale who you have for the size of your team. So I think that's probably the most important step. And then from there, what's the methodology, right? Are you going to be a med pick shop? Are you Sandler? Are you whatever that type of methodology? But having a common language to speak about deals deal cycles makes things so uh it's easier to talk right we're not speaking two different languages and when you have that that's extremely you know important i think then is then what's the format right what kind of blended learning are you going to do one of the things we do here is we do uh quarterly learner packs and those learner packs are agreed upon by the sales leadership you included Right. And they're around what are the needs assessments that we came up with. And that's where we impart the what I call the general knowledge. Right. Yep. What does the product do? Right. How much does it cost? What's the pricing and packaging look like? And I think that's the, the best format for that. A, you can always revisit it. You can go back and look at it. But then that frees up. What are we going to do in the live sessions? Right. Mm-hmm. And what kind of activities how are we going to start building that muscle memory for success? So understanding that format, you know, and, and having calendar for that, right? People being aware of what's coming when and being mindful of, you know, time off the floor and other things going on, you know. So those three right there are very, very cr- crucial, but also leveraging those new tools, right, to create a blended environment where you can put the right things in the right place. This belongs in video right, with a quiz or whatever, and then the workshops around how do we put the rubber to the road, start practicing this, getting that muscle memory to lead people to success. Yeah, you, I agree with, with 
all of that. I mean, you, you, you talked earlier uh, about, you know, the methodologies, whether it's MedPick and then you're working with a sales or sales development uh, team, like how can both parties work together to ensure a strong and, and secure plan or strategy? Is that something you feel like, is it more successful when they, when a, a sales or sales development team says, this is what we want to do? Or have you found success in going to them and saying, hey, this is what something I've done in the past that that's really worked? Uh, it's like sales. It's a two-way street, mm-hmm. right? Both sides have something to bring to the table. And I think it works both ways, right? I, I definitely want to hear from you and your team what's going on, right? You're seeing it and hearing it every day all over and over again. So getting that assessment, but also with the tools that we have, the data we have, the one-on-one coaching times, sometimes we may see things and it's like, how do we put those, synthesize those together? And I think it comes down to a communication is key. You know, I know it's one of those, you know, it's a shtick, you know, to keep saying it. No, with everything. It absolutely has to be. Exactly. And I think it's that communication, you know, what do you want? Here's what I'm, I'm seeing. And I think it's then having that format, right. And how do we augment it with the, the learning path stuff, right. Where here's the video, the factual type stuff that we can quiz and just impart the knowledge. And then what can we do to, to really put the practice to things. And I think those live workshops built around, doing real life examples in or even people sharing real life examples you know something like adding a gong call into a training and everyone listening to it and making comments about what was good what was you know could be a little bit better how come that was said there and not here and those types of things because that fosters the communication and that helps them get better and that's one thing i've really learned about training it's not about you None of what I do is for me. And I've learned it has to be about the other person. And I think that's an important part of sales too, you know, that everything you do is about the other side. And and when we put things together, it's about you and your team being successful. So I would say the recipe is, you know, 75%. Yeah, you're hearing it, you're living it. But 25% is sprinkling in what we're learning from the data, what we're hearing from the one-on-ones and synthesizing those together. And also realizing things are very interconnected, right? Those conversations, right? You, you can be doing a training, say, on pain, right? And, and need doesn't mean multi-threading is going to come up in the middle of that, right? Because that can be part of the pain, right? And part of the pain is that other people have their versions of that need and pain. And how do I then take advantage of that to bring them into into the deal? And I think the same works with, with planning this together. You know, it's here's what you're thinking, here's what I see. How do we put that together and have a, a program that everyone knows exactly what's gonna happen when? Yeah. Nice. And then, you know, for sales leaders listening in that perhaps aren't thinking of, uh, you know, internal sales trainers, but definitely want to improve their training skills. Any any advice that you could maybe give to them? Yeah, I, I would say the most important thing is nothing fits everybody. Yeah. Right. And, and that that can be very dangerous. Not everyone loves video. Lots of people do. Not everyone does. 
right? You know, some people are more visual, some people are doers, some people are listeners. So, you know, really understanding and, and finding out where the people on your team are at. Everyone's at a different point. Some people are really strong at certain things and other people may be strong at other things, you know? So A, to scale yourself, how can I take advantage of that and share? But I think a lot of it is really knowing the people on your team and meeting them at their level and moving them forward steps at a time, right? I almost put it in terms of school, right? You skip grades, it's tough, right? You don't want to skip grades, you know? So think systematically, you know, if someone's here, what what does the next step look like? What is their next level of good look like? Hmm. And I think that makes makes a lot of sense for folks. You know, you don't take someone from, you know, making their first cold call and then having them do a full discovery call the next day. Yeah. You know, for sure. So, you know, as as we mentioned earlier, you know, we worked together for for a while. You've been doing this for for 20 plus years. What's your your favorite part of, of being a sales enablement leader? I'll just say from my perspective, you know, when I bring my team into a room with you, your energy is infectious. You know, if, if somebody's not paying attention, you very quickly get them involved and engaged. Uh, and I, I think you do an amazing job of that. But what, what's your favorite part of being a sales enablement leader? It's the people. You know, you're one of the first people that get the introduce them to the company. You know, I almost kind of like you become Uncle Bill, <laughs> you know, and the relationships and the people that you get from that is it, it just feels so good to see people be successful, you know, and it was funny. Like I, I went through LinkedIn one day. I was helping one of someone on your team who were looking for connections to reach out to. And we started sorting people alphabetically of my connections and we stopped at the letter E out of the full alphabet of the people that have trained. We hit 100 people that are now vice presidents of sales somewhere. Crazy. And to me, that's what this is all about. It's not for me. It's seeing other people be successful. It's letting that ego go mm -hmm. that it's not about me, right? The class is for them. The learning paths are for them. And it's for you and your team for them to be successful. And when you let that go it's amazing the success that comes with it, right? Because you, you're not clouded by wanting to look good or feel special, but it's about the other people's success. You know, even like this morning to, to get a, a LinkedIn message for someone I worked three companies ago, you know, saying, hi, how are you doing? You know, I've been on maternity leave. I'm coming back and I saw you come up in on my timeline. Great to, to see you. What's going on? And to me, uh, you know, that's more than any money, anything in the world are the connections I have all around the world. As you know, when we worked in our former place, I was all around the world training. You know, I can show up in India and, you know, I, I know I'm going to have a heck of a time and plenty of guides to take, take me around. To me, that's what it's all about. That's awesome. Uh, just the final question from from me today, Bill. So what would you recommend sales leaders to start, stop and continue in 2024? Yeah, a really, really good question. I would say the start. And I think sometimes we forget in sales. I mean, this is a it's a performance based job, plain and simple. But I think positive reinforcement, 
you know, uh, you did a good job. Focus on the things that are someone's doing really well, right? And, and praising them for them, especially if they're learning something new and they're starting to do it. You know, oh my God, I heard you use that technique. I heard you do that. And I think you get much more out of that with people because um, our goal is to help them grow. So focus on the things to, to, to grow. And I even heard a similar quote, you know, with all the coaching changes going on in the NFL and football out there here in, in the U.S., you know, with Nick Saban leaving Alabama, Belichick leaving and, and Pete Carroll out in Seattle. I, I forget which one it was attributed to. But someone had said, you know, the coach focused and doubled down on all the things that we need to be doing and doing it well and praising the things that are working well. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think it, it pulls the mentality towards the positivity. And I think that's extremely important. But we forget that in the heat of the battle of our day to day and our numbers and forecasts and yeah. meetings booked and attended and all those things. Right. Stop. Um, I, I would say stop the high level context all the time, right? Theory only gets you so far, you know, we got to focus on the practice, the doing right. Real life scenarios that help you get those at bats. Theory only goes so long. I can only show so many slides. A leader can show only so many slides, right? but it's what comes out of your mouth, right? How do you help that person work it through within the context of themselves, right? We all use different language. We all grew up in different places. You know, I think it of, you know, sub ogie grinder, right? I don't care which word you use, but are you using it correctly, right? And I think that's something we, we got to stop with just throwing high level things at people in theory, but actually putting it in practice and making sure they're able to apply it and then continue. I think it's just that continue to always strive and get better. Right. You know, you and I from back at our original place, we worked together, making a number was considered, you know, average. That's what you were supposed to do. And I think we always want to grow and we got to continue to move the bars as someone does well, right. New hires come on, they have ramp, right. But I think everyone has ramp and we want to keep moving that ramp for people as they get better. Complacency is probably the, the biggest mistake anyone can make in anything. You know, I learn something new every day and I think that's really important. And if we stop that, that, you know, kind of moving the cheese forward and when someone feels like they've got this licked, right, they've got it nailed you know, there is anything else to learn, nothing else I can do, you know, that that's when trouble can come. For sure. For sure. Well, I, I couldn't agree more, Bill. It's been great uh, catching up with you today uh, on today's episode. And I look forward to uh, working with you uh, continued in the future. Definitely. Can't wait to do more. And always great to see you, Steve. All right, my friend.